This week on episode 533 of Priority One, Viacom CBS tries to make amends to the world. First Contact celebrates 25 years. Badgie finally makes it into Star Trek Online. And we continue our season four review of Star Trek Discovery. You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 533 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, November 30th and available for download or streaming on Friday, December 3rd at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And unfortunately, there's no Roscoe this week. He accidentally ate a turkey and learned that he has an allergic reaction. I'm kidding. He's just feeling under the weather, and uh, we hope he has a speedy recovery. Absolutely. And we hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Absolutely. We hope that at the very least, uh, for those of you who observed it, uh, had some rest. Uh, Hopefully you got some food in some way, shape, or form. Kat, did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. It was great. Got to see the family. Got to see some friends. Had some drinks. Ate some... No tofurkey. No tofurkey, but apple pie. It was delicious. <laughs> good, 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 good. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, I, actually, over the uh, the break, I got a chance to read Brent Spiner's new novel, uh, fan fiction noir book. Oh, is it good? So I listened to the audiobook version of it that I really enjoyed. It was, it's fun. You know, this is not... Does he piece, narrate it himself? But he does. Okay. He narrates it Absolutely. and... The there, the full TNG cast comes on to read their parts. What? Yeah, yeah. So it's really, really fun. It is a fun book, uh, especially the audio version, because, you know, Brent Spiner's a ham and he loves to perform and, he, you know, he loves to kick it up several notches. Plus, there's the TNG cast. So you've got Michael Dorn, Marina Sirtis, Gates McFadden, LeVar Burton, and Sir Patrick Stewart coming on to tell these funny little anecdotes and be a part of this story that uh, that he uh, wrote. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend right. it. Get it, you know, get it as an audio book. Book. I don't know that I would have enjoyed it reading it, but as an audiobook, it was a fun adventure. Amazing. Okay. I have one credit until my next credit. I'm totally getting it. Absolutely. You should totally, totally do it. And if you do listen to it, Captains, and you enjoy it, tweet at Brent Spiner. Say that Priority One sent, sent you to listen to it. Before we jump into the news, we want to welcome new listeners to the show, and we hope you'll stay in touch. You see, this show is produced by a community of volunteers who donate their time and talents because, like you, they're passionate about what Star Trek 
Network is all about. So we hope you'll get involved and be a part of our community. Follow us on social media so you can share your thoughts about the weekly headlines. Join the Armada so that you can experience Star Trek gaming with like-minded Trekkies. Or consider joining the team and lending your skills and passion to producing this show. Captains, if you don't already know, we do have a Patreon page that is available for you to be a member of our Patreon family. If you find value in the production of the show and you have a few extra dollars to spare each month, then visit us over on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority one. We do offer some cool perks there that try to entice you and add some uh, bonus content when you become a member of our Patreon family. But I'm going to go back a second because we talked about social media. We understand that, you know, offering a financial contribution to a show like ours may not be feasible, right? We got to tighten the purse strings nowadays. Another way you can support the show is by tweeting about us or sharing our show on social media like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, of course. Your recommendations go so, so far. So, you know, I want to give a quick shout out to folks like Ginger Trekkie on Twitter who uh, mentioned that they were enjoying our latest episode along with a cup of coffee to folks like Dennis Koch who constantly share our posts and announcements of new episodes. Folks like Jamal, who's always involved in sharing our content, Jason Smith. When you take a moment to share our show, that goes a long way. So please consider sharing our content when you see it on social media and uh, recommend the podcast to your friends. Now let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Before we left you for our Thanksgiving break, we reported that Viacom CBS had pulled Star Trek Discovery from Netflix, leaving our friends outside the U.S. and Canada without a way to watch the latest season until sometime in 2022. Well, Viacom CBS has performed a massive international course correction. Perhaps it was the international uproar. Perhaps it was because their poor planning was so misguided that it made headlines on news outlets like the BBC. Whatever Whatever the case may be, Paramount Plus announced that Star Trek Discovery will now be available internationally via Paramount Plus or Pluto TV. For a detailed list of which platform in which country Discovery will be made available, links will be in our show notes. You know, when we first reported this uh, two weeks ago, it was just obvious that people were going to pirate Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. And it turns out people did because according to Deadline, Star Trek Discovery ranked number four in pirated television in, in generally any pirated you know series, movie or series. Uh, number one on the chart was Hawkeye season one. Number two, The Wheel of Time, three Dexter and then uh, Star Trek Discovery. That's a pretty impressive list, though. I mean, I guess if they wanted to create this drama and make it seem like everyone needed to watch uh, Discovery, maybe they, maybe it was a genius marketing ploy. I don't know that I've ever seen Paramount about face so quickly. Maybe they just couldn't mention anything about it because they were in, in negotiations. Maybe they were had been working on this Pluto deal in the background. I don't know. I'm fascinated, though. Let me ask you this. So, you know, is this something that could have been remedied quickly within a week's time? Or do you think that this was already in the works? Oh, absolutely. They had to have known first that the Netflix deal would probably not be able to be renegotiated with more favorable terms. So they had to have had a backup 
being worked on. Trust me, they probably had plan A, B, C, and D. I mean, if they were smart. So this was probably a contingency plan if the original Netflix deal didn't work out. So, but the timing announcement, that's where, you know, it's interesting. Right, because you would imagine that in order to license these things out globally, right? Every country is different, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. All the laws are different for, for exactly. with the country. So mm -hmm. how, now Pluto TV, I believe is in fact a Paramount Plus subsidiary, like it's Pluto is owned by- It's probably Viacom their TBS. international distribution company. So they're saving so much money because Pluto probably already purchased all the streaming rights for international distribution. So <laughs> it was probably a much cheaper uh, solution for them in the long run. Maybe they had it planned out, but just couldn't announce it. But wow, way to make everybody freak out for nothing then if that's what your solution was. Yeah, Pluto Pluto TV is in fact a Viacom CBS company streaming service um, that usually like the, the, the big draw to it is that a lot of the stuff on there is free. Right. But again, what I'm curious about is the timetable, right? Because when they first announced it, they had, it made it sound that they had no intention of expediting this until sometime in 2022. And and yet, with so much backlash from the community. Yeah, I'm like, somebody called somebody and said, make this deal happen no matter what. So that's probably maybe what finalized it because they were like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a much needed course correction. And thankfully, our friends abroad can now watch Star Trek Discovery either on Paramount Plus or Pluto TV. Now, it's been 25 years since Star Trek First Contact premiered in movie theaters. Now, widely regarded as one of the best films of the franchise, producing First Contact wasn't entirely a walk on the hull. <laughs> In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, writer Ronald D. Moore shares some behind-the-scenes stories about the film, including a clash with Sir Patrick Stewart. According to Moore, Stewart wasn't too thrilled about some of the writing, so he convinced Rick Berman to replace Moore and his co-writer, Brandon Braga, with some of Stewart's own writers. However, those new writers didn't quite work out, so Braga and Moore were brought back. Awkward. Moore shares the story saying, quote, I remember Patrick at the outset just said something like, it's good to see you. I hope that we can all move on from the things that have happened. And now let's just concentrate on the work. And I took that in the spirit it was given. He wants to move on from this. He's not going to apologize outright, but he kind of is apologizing. And it was never spoken of again. So we just moved on. Moore also spoke with Sci-Fi about his work on the film. In this interview, there's more discussion about the actual development of the script and its production. For instance, did you know that one of the original drafts had Riker as the action star facing off against the Borg aboard the Enterprise? But Sir Patrick wanted in on the action recalling the episode Starship Mine. They even toyed with the idea of setting the film in medieval times. Yikes. When asked about scenes for stories that he wished hadn't been cut, Moore explains, quote, there were just expanded sequences. There was just more action in general, more fighting the Borg in the corridors and going into different places on the ship. And I think there was more humor. A lot of the jokes got cut down. I think we had more fun with Troy and Cochran's relationship on Earth where he gets her drunk. We had more to that sequence scripted and that was fun to write too. Rick might have made us cut it because he was always a little too... He was always kind of worried that maybe the humor would be too corny or something, end quote. 
quote, One aspect of the film that Trekkies like to debate is the introduction of the Borg Queen. Well, Trekkies aren't the only ones that debated her introduction. According to Moore, quote, It was a choice that was also antithetical to the idea of the Borg. The whole concept of these villains was that they were a collection and that there was no individuals. And that's what made them the faceless, implacable, quote, resistance is futile enemy. But it also limited how to deal with them dramatically. So we really went back and forth about it internally. We decided that the story would be better if we had some individual to deal with, to craft scenes around, to do an intimate kind of dialogue back and forth and help get inside characters' heads, like Data in particular and Picard. So what we came up with, a Borg queen that controlled at least this collective of that particular ship, not necessarily that she was queen of the whole Borg, end quote. For more insight about the film and its production process, be sure to check out both interviews. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. You know, that makes sense, I guess, how they're reasoning this out. Um, I don't think I ever realized she wasn't the queen of all the Borg. I guess that gets expanded upon in Voyager, right? Because there's a new queen. I don't think it's ever... It's not really explained. I'm like, I never came away with that message that... Yeah, it's never specified, right? That it's like there's a queen per hive kind of thing, but that instead that there's just one mega queen. You know, I get that there's a lot of criticism about putting a face, a voice, singular voice to the Borg, uh, because it changes the Borg from being a force to just being another villain, right? I actually remember having an in-depth conversation about this with Aura Vera for one of their villains that they had ever done for Star Trek Online, uh, I think comparatively to the Herc. But listen, I, I think it in terms of the overall story for Star Trek canon, I think it worked. And, you know, we've had some great stories involving the Borg and why not? I will end with this though. Star Trek First Contact is easily like my top three. I think in, in at the top three in no particular order, Wrath of Khan, Undiscovered Country, and First Contact. Alright. It I think it'd be in my top five. I actually really like Nemesis. I know everyone hates that one, but I liked it. Well, while we're talking about Picard, the next season's premiering in February, and now, thanks to Cameo, we're getting bits of information about the upcoming season, including Michelle Hurd's view on working with Whoopi Goldberg. She told a fan via Cameo what filming Picard season two was like, saying, quote, I pinch myself. I am a fan too. I literally pinch myself when on set or get to work with these amazing iconic creatures, end quote. And she was referring to both John Delancey's return as Q and Goldberg's return as Guinan. She went on to say that working with Goldberg was, quote, the bomb. She is so cool. She is just cool. She's just whoopee. That's all you can say, end quote. Now, not much is known about how Guinan may fit into season two of Picard. We know that her character has, of course, demonstrated a special ability to sense changes in timelines, which could probably factor into the time travel and alternate timelines featured in the upcoming season. And speaking of Whoopi Goldberg, she interviewed Sonequa Martin-Green on The View recently, and if you've not had a chance to watch it, you really should. Green includes a very touching acknowledgement to Goldberg's history on Star Trek and how she and Nichelle Nichols paved the way for her to take on the captain role on Discovery. Martin-Green told Goldberg, quote, I am your accomplishment, and I thank you, end quote. Check out the full interview in our show notes. Did you watch that interview? It was really, it was really good. 
I did see the clip, um, and you know, it's true. You know, it's it's important for young minds to see themselves in their own entertainment, right? To say, I want to be that, right? Something to model and aspire towards and for. People like Whoopi Goldberg, Nichelle Nichols, I mean, paved the way in science fiction for people of color, for people who were marginalized, and allow them to look up to them and, you know, aspire for something, towards something. Absolutely. It's a really uh, touching moment. Man, the, the interview is great. You know, I didn't realize that Sonequa Martin-Green had lost both of her parents recently, which is really tough. So I know a lot of people have lost loved ones recently. So, yeah, wow. It was a really, really good interview. On a lighter, more trivial note, I will be really, really upset if they pull an Ocean's 13 and will be, and they go back in time into the 2020s and Guinan is a talk show host. <laughs> I'm going to be so <laughs> mad at that. So mad if they go back in time. Be, what? You know, like in, and just have her be Whoopi on The View? Yeah, she's she's on a daytime <laughs> talk show. You know, her name is not Guinan. She uses a different name, but she's a morning talk show host. <laughs> I didn't and even I will think be of that. So mad if they try to pull that nonsense kind of humor because it did not work in Ocean's 13. If you haven't signed up for Paramount Plus, but have been eager to share Star Trek Prodigy with your kids, then set your set-top boxes and TiVos to record the Nickelodeon premiere happening Friday, December 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central. Speaking of Prodigy, if you're eager to continue the adventure, don't forget that you'll have to wait until January 6th, 2022, for the next episode on Paramount Plus. IDW Publishing announced that it would release Star Trek Klingons in February 2020. This comic book series will chronicle the legendary life of Kalis the Unforgettable. This release will be the first installment in a series of extra-long one-shots spotlighting the Star Trek franchise's most iconic alien species. It's written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly and features artist Timothy Green II. In an excellent in-depth interview featured as part of Rolling Stone's Last Word series, LeVar Burton reflects on his Jeopardy experience, the magic of Star Trek invention, the lasting importance of Roots, and the advice he got from his friend, Fred Rogers. So make sure to check that out. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to check out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. Congratulations. High score. It's the most wonderful time of the year When the ground's slippy slidey and snowmen are fighty new sweaters to wear It's the most wonderful time of the year Time to get those scarves and sweaters and head to Q's Winter Wonderland, where you can participate in your choice of Winter Wonderland activities in order to get a new Tier 6 starship, one that has yet to be announced at the time of this recording. This means that just like last year, daily progress towards earning your new starship can be obtained by participating in any of the following activities. Fastest game on ice, Klingon ice fishing, tides of ice, the fast and the furious, 
cones of conduct and fight the Crampiri. Once you run one of these events to earn your daily progress, you will also get various holiday ornaments, which can be used in different denominations to purchase all the things in the winter event store. Well, I'm really excited about the new stuff, even if we don't really get a new event to run, but we get a new uh, batleth, the Nanopulse batlets that they've had. This one is a really cool blue glowy one they're calling Glacial. Um, so that looks pretty interesting. I know some people like to collect all of them, which I do, so I'm getting that. But also they have a new green ground set. So that's interesting that they're adding a full ground set to the winter store because I don't think they've done that uh, recently. So if you want to do some cold damage, that looks like a really interesting ground set. But what is the best thing about what they're including this year? In addition, Here we go. In addition to the vanity pets, which are a rescue targ uh, and a barrel of Warnog, which is how is Warnog different than Bloodwine? Because maybe we need to have like a taste test comparison. Uh, maybe. I don't know, but here's the big news. New sweaters. Oh my god. So excited because we get an ode to Badgie. You get all Lower Decks themed sweaters. You get the choo-choo dance in sweater form. You get Badgie, of course, the dog, and oh man, evil Jeffrey Combs computer Agamus. Yes. I'm, I want all the sweaters. I want all the pets. I'm so excited. I I like the sweaters. The sweaters are, are the funny. Sweater, the funny. dog. I mean, yeah. I love it. I would I would definitely go for Badgie. I would definitely go for Choo Choo. I would definitely go. Well, maybe not the, maybe not the dog. Maybe not the uh, Jeffrey Crumbs robot. But definitely what? Badgie and Choo well. Choo. My Tendi character definitely needs the dog sweater, um, so I'm really excited about that. Of course, they're all laying bets in Armada chat that I need these sweaters on all 40 of my characters. Well, I have more than 40, but no, I don't. I don't know that all my characters need sweater. Well, maybe they do. I I think Star Trek Online should submit these so that people can print them, <gasps> like and and get well, like those. Sweater. I want to wear. I mean, I want a sweater now, like a real one. Choo choo. That's sweater. what I'm saying. They yeah. should. They should allow. They should like upload the GIF or the the I don't know some some they should touch base with somebody who knits sweaters so that there's like a pattern that people can knit or you can just print it on top of another sweater you know like the the easy Christmas sweaters that, they, that would it's just be a print amazing. on a sweater they should totally totally do that I would buy that if they could put that in the Zen store I'd be and pay Zen for it I'd pay sixty dollars for that oh yeah easily um does anyone in chat have a bets going on what the ship's going to be. I don't know that they announced. I think they're announcing it tomorrow in the live stream, but I mean, it, it seems to me like it's going to be a Breen ship based on the ground I'd bet, set. I <laughs> bet it's a, a Breen. But while we're actually, while we're on the topic of the, of purchasing things in Star Trek Online, did you take advantage of any of the mud market packs this time around? No, I didn't because that latest MUDS bundle that was available, even though it was on sale, it wasn't ships that I was really interested in, and it was still $150. So, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, even on no, sale. It, you know, on sale, it was uh, on sale and with. 
uh, Zen sale, I was able to get it for $120. So there's my there's my quarterly $100 purchase for Star Trek Online. What ship did you want? The Section 31? Yeah, the Section 31. That I really wanted. And you know what? I am not disappointed. I don't use the... I don't, I don't let it disintegrate. I don't use that ability. It is cool. It's a very cool ability. It's visually impressive. But that battle cruiser is no joke. I would say better even than the uh, Fleet Arbiter. Wow. Or the, um, the Picard version of it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's not as agile, but it definitely packs a punch and is quite durable. So, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then I, I instead of getting, um, since I don't do upgrades often, I don't swap out my equipment enough to merit the tech upgrades. I still have a bunch from, uh, like, the anniversary event and the Omega that I doubled up on Lobby. Nice. Since That's I never, cool. I never open up boxes. So I you know what i'm happy with this section 31 and the way i rationalized the purchase was that there are you can get the ship using energy credits from the exchange but it's super expensive number one and number two there weren't very many available like it would be like one on the exchange every time i checked and i would check maybe once a day every other day or so well you know as an option you know we have a whole armada full of people who sometimes have a stock pile of ships in their banks that they are happily work out some type of exchange with you. That's that's good to know. That's good to know. That's good to know. Not, I'm not saying like anybody has exactly what you're looking for, but you can always ask. I mean, what's the harm in asking? Somebody may have, like some of us, maybe not me, maybe still have a mirror crossfield sitting in the bank, you know, just sitting there that's been there for a long time, but I don't know what I want to do with it yet. So, in a recent interview with StarTrek.com, design director Al Rivera and staff writer Paul Reed discuss what it was like to incorporate Star Trek Discovery into Star Trek Online. The two discuss their initial reactions to hearing about the new show and how having new content to draw from and how that has helped add more content to the game. Because captains in the game have gone to all four quadrants, made peace with the founders, saved time itself, and even won, barely, a war against the ancient Iconians, Having new Star Trek shows like Discovery gives the team that extra bit of inspiration. Reed already has an interesting idea for how to tie the lore into the far future setting of Discovery's third and fourth seasons, saying, quote, For example, are the Iconians still around in that time era? And if so, what are they doing? Have they evolved? Have they changed? Are they still mad? It's been a long time, but I'd like to go into some pockets of our lore in that far future and then tie in with the Discovery team in some way. So seeing how the Iconians handled the burn, for example, would be pretty cool, end quote. Rivera had some of his own ideas for stories to tap into, saying, quote, And they got all the sphere data. What was that about? That's a perfect example of a story where we can jump off and talk about what that was or what's a gormagander. Let's talk about that. So there are opportunities there, end quote. Well, I, for one, am really looking forward to all these new storylines in game. I would like to play them anytime right right now. You know, we've said this time and again that Star Trek Online shines when it takes an episode of Star Trek and expands upon it, right? I mean, the Iconian arc was several years in the making since launch and was spectacular. All the while sprinkling breadcrumbs, answering questions, exp- 
expanding on themes, expanding on stories from existing Star Trek. Then Discovery came along and ruined it for everyone. And and what I mean by that is I feel, and I've said this on the show before, I feel like Star Trek Online is shoehorning themselves into having to produce something with Discovery. So we have to pop something out and we can get the voice actors and we have the budget for them. So let's pay the voice actors and get them in on the game. And I can, I understand that there is a market for that. And there's a, a, a marketing reason for that, right? To get people who might be watching the show to play the game. But I feel that it's been at the expense of some of the storytelling. And, you know, already in this season of Discovery, spoiler alert, you know, they already threw out Zora, the computer, you know, they name dropped her in a, in passing, in passing. And that's, that whole sphere data thing, that, that was a big plot point in season two of Discovery, right? That was like a huge thing for a couple of episodes and then Discovery completely dropped it. If Star Trek Online is going to tie in to Discovery and and try to lure in those viewers, I would rather them not pay for voice actors, at least, you know, the the main cast of actors and put that money into telling a story that doesn't involve them, all right? If it costs $3,000 to have Sonequa Martin-Green read four or five pages, put that money into developing a story creating content sends famous people. I, I that that's that's where I would like to be with Star Trek Online. We're so overdue for new content. So overdue for another epic story. And as much as I love this new Section 31 ship, I log in, I play a patrol or maybe a TFO, I might do an endeavor if it interests me, and then I log out. Like... It, it, 20 minutes, 30 minutes tops. And I miss the days where I spent hours in Star Trek Online, you know? I miss those days. Well, I could still spend hours in Star Trek Online, but I don't spend those hours running story missions, which is sad because they're really good missions, but when you've played them 40-something odd times, I mean, yeah, you do really start to crave new content or new things to do, but I am looking forward to the winter event and new sweaters, so even more Space Barbie to do. But those are items, though. Those are... I I, 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 I want to... I wish they did have a new uh, event or something to do in in the winter event. I mean, we've had these same events for a few years now. So I hope they are working on some ways to refresh some of these regular, you know, repeating events. Uh, I would like a Murph uh, as well. I, I agree with all you guys. There's so much from Lower Decks. They could, I mean, it takes a long time to develop the stories. So I think we'll continue to see items for a while until, you know, maybe they can come up. Well, we don't know what they have planned, but I'm, I hope it's good. Well, in a recent tweet, environment artist Nick Duguid reminisced about the launch of Club 47 on Earth Space Dock seven years ago. That's... Nick says it doesn't get much traffic these days, but the launch party looked like a really good time. And boy, do I remember that launch party. Were you there? Club 47. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I might have been working at that time, but uh, but I mean, you know, I remember the relaunch of Club 47 was a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's we go there for fleet events sometimes. It's a, it's fun. Play. I mean, I don't say I go there all the time, but they have a nice bar and the DJ you can talk to with a dance floor. So that's super Man, fun. Man, remember Earth Space Dock, the old Earth Space Dock? The yes. Ring. It was just the ring around. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that wraps up episode 533 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. 
Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Stoke players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. So, if you happen to find value in the production of this show, visit us over at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One and find out about all the cool perks we have to offer. Now, it's the holiday season, and I know that everybody is saving their dimes and dollars, so another way you can support the show is by sharing it with your friends, recommending it, leaving a review, giving it a thumbs up. The more you share our show on social media, the better chance we have of providing a weekly roundup of the Star Trek headlines to you and your friends. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors. This week, our intro and closing were edited by William Hardy. Check it out by Rand Hurl. Gaming by Brandon Parker. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to our social media managers, Sarah and James. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Before we... Oh, you go first. My bad. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you've noticed, but after doing this show for 10 years, I'm much more lax with these kind of things. <laughs> I I mean... Who cares? Just, uh, you did the sweep out. <laughs> ah, it's fine. <laughs> but then if I didn't say anything, you'd be like, what the hell? I... Am I have I ever said what the hell to anybody? <laughs> maybe Tony Hunter. Maybe Tony Hunter. Maybe Skiffy. I might give a what the hell never to anybody else on this show. Since <laughs> is futile. Ugh. Hold on. While I breathe for a moment. Stupid giant sentences.
25 years old. Did you see it in the theaters? I did not see First Contact in the theater. I can't remember why. I think because Generations was so bad, I was didn't want to see it. I don't know. <laughs> I think I was in the sixth or seventh grade. I, um... 96? 96? I was... Yeah. Seven, sixth or seventh grade. Oh, Lord. Oh, you want to talk about <laughs> how old I was in that age. <laughs> um, I'm the baby of the group. Uh, yeah. Well, that wraps up episode 532. Frack. <laughs> I just fixed it. <laughs> the dog's about to bark. You hush. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. What was that? It's my dog. <laughs> I need to go out. <laughs> Learn all about... <laughs> Just a minute. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips... <laughs> Hold on. Let me go let yeah. the dogs out. Sorry. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.